You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. What happens to your money affects your life. Think twice before you trust some financial advisor who makes a living off of what you do with your money. Personal finance expert Susie Orman. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. know about the laws of physics and the laws of nature, but are there laws that govern what happens to our money? There certainly are, says longtime personal finance guru Susie Orman, and she says if you are ignorant of those laws, you are bound to break them and suffer the consequences of them. Now, I had the occasion to interview Susie Orman several times over the years as she rose to national prominence with her straightforward and sometimes blunt advice. And our conversations included this one about her book, The Laws of Money, The Lessons of Life. So here now from 2003, Susie Orman. How many thousands of finance books, not just my own, but thousands of finance books have been written over the past few years telling you how to buy a stock, when to buy a stock, how to pick a stock, how to pick a mutual fund, how to do this, how to do that. Did that prevent you at all? from losing 20, 30, 40, 50, 70% of your money in your retirement accounts or investment accounts. It did not. They did not. This new book was written for a way for people to think about money. I believe that people need a new way to think about money. Think about what? Think about how to make a decision about the money they have or they do not have in their particular situation. The reason people lost money was because they couldn't decide. Should I buy? Should I sell? Should I do this? Should I do that? Confused. Who else was confused? The financial advisors that were giving (laughs) you instructions on what to do. Hold on for the long run. You buy and you hold, they say. Well, they're confused too because they didn't know how to make a decision about what to tell you to do with the money that you invested in their recommendations. Mm -hmm. And so they were totally confused as well. If you are confused about money. If you don't know how to make a decision about what you currently have, if you don't know what to do, if you have credit card debt, should you buy, should you lease a car, should you pay off your mortgage, this book is for you. The author of another book recently said the two most scary words right now are, trust me. Now that speaks, it strikes me, to law number one in your book, which is the truth I'm going to paraphrase it poorly. Maybe have, have you, truth creates money, lies destroy it. Help, thank you. I, I, I knew you'd probably know it by heart, so yeah. that's what, but but that speaks to that. I mean, you can't trust somebody who lies to you. But here's the problem, and we saw this with Enron and WorldCom. How do you know somebody's lying to you? How do you you wouldn't in a million years think that Arthur Anderson, that Merrill Lynch, that just got fined eighty million dollars, mm-hmm. would help? create something where mistrust and misinformation was dispersed under the guidance of honesty and truth and something called earnings. So you cannot trust people based on numbers alone anymore. And it's not only other people. It's what are you doing in your own financial circumstances? Do your neighbors, do your friends think that you are doing just so fabulously? And you have a fancy car, fabulous 3,000-square-foot home. Here you are dressing in the most designer, gorgeous 
clothes. You only wear an outfit once or twice, and then you don't even need to wear it anymore because you just buy something new. And the whole block is saying, God, I wish I could be them. And the truth is, you lease your car. Your house is mortgaged up to the hilt. You only could afford to put 3% down. Your mortgage payments are so large that you can't even go out and do anything else because you are house rich but cash poor. Oh, your clothes? Oh, sorry. They're a 24% interest rate to all the department stores that you have all this credit card debt with. Or not just the department stores. You have five credit cards. But what? Oh, yeah, sorry. They're all maxed out. Is that the truth? Or are you showing the world who you want to be and who you're lying to is yourself that you think you can afford these things? Mm -hmm. And now here you are and you get a call saying, sorry, our corporation is downsizing right now and you've just lost your job. And here you are one paycheck away from bankruptcy. But yet the truth is you don't have a pot to pee in and the lie is to everybody else and yourself, look how great you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> frankly, yeah, frankly, after reading that chapter in your book, I'm far less scared of somebody else lying to me than I am about the lies I tell myself. And we do tell lies ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't tell lies to ourselves because we're bad people. We tell lies to ourselves about money for one very simple reason. We want to define ourselves by the things we have around us. Our car defines us. Our house defines us. Our job title defines us. But the problem is they don't define us. You have got to understand that you define who you are by not what you do or how much you have. You simply are a viable, good human being because you are on this earth, hopefully not hurting anybody else, and that therefore you have to define the things that you have. The things that you have will never define you. I'm sure you must meet people every day who say, oh, if only I could go back to three years ago. I had so much stock. It was worth so much money. I'll get back there someday. Well, you know who's really probably saying that right now? Probably Martha Stewart. (laughs) Probably Ken Lay. Probably the CEOs and CFOs of WorldCom, Adelphia, Kmart, who had millions and millions of dollars just a few years ago in their own personal net worth. And yet they built that net worth on a foundation of lies. And because that foundation was built on lies, I'm not saying Martha Stewart did because the verdict Mm -hmm. is still out there. Who knows? I think they're just attacking her because she's a woman. That's a whole nother story. But where we have evidence that they seriously lied for their own wealth creation, look what happened. Truth would have created money for them. Mm -hmm. So maybe they wouldn't have had $50 million. Maybe they would have had only 30. Oh, my heart breaks for them. (laughs) But their lies destroyed the 30 that they probably did have. And sooner than later, if justice is done, which is still out again to see, Mm -hmm. they'll have nothing. But they destroyed not only theirs, but the hopes and dreams of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds, maybe millions of other people in the process. Bingo. Law number one. Not only do lies destroy your own money, your own lies, other people's lies as well destroy your money. So you have to be careful because if you hang out or have your money invested with what I call a financial law breaker, eventually, sooner than later, it will come back and affect you personally. And that leads us into law number two, which is you can't continue to plan on what you had before because in many cases, the case of 
people you meet every day, that's gone now. They'll, they'll never get it back. Even though these laws sound very simplistic in nature, you know, sometimes people say to me, Susie, what are these laws? These aren't laws. These are just words put together. Oh, no, 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 my friends. These are laws that if you violate any of them, when you violate a law, you hurt yourself. If you get caught, and you do when it comes to money, because money is the police people, police person of your own life. So you will get caught. So why is it that you bought Lucent at 80 and you watched it go from 70 to 60 to 77 cents? Or you bought a mutual fund that you have held on to from all the way from 50 down to 10? Because you continuously look back rather than forward. You look back at what you had, not at what you have. You've been told you invested in the stock market for the long run. Look at what you had. Don't pay attention to what's going on. One day again in the future, it will be okay. Oh, give me a break. After this short break, Susie Orman's investment strategy, not what you might expect. There are now two new ways to listen to Now I've Heard Everything. Full episodes are now on YouTube. Just search for Now I've Heard Everything. And if you're on TikTok, watch for the promos we post about new episodes. Tap the link at the bottom of the video to hear the full episode. Now back to my 2003 conversation with Susie Orman. American Airlines, $60 a share. Let's say you just purchased it two years ago at $60 a share. That's what you had. Today, you have an airline worth $2 a share. And the reason that you're holding on is because of what you had, not because of what you have. In the book, I give you complete instructions how to look at what you have, how to make a decision. Should you keep it? Should you sell it? Should you sell half? How do you make decisions from where what you have and where you are right now, which all that matters, to get to where you want to go in the future? If you keep looking back in your investment rearview mirror and you're not looking forward, you're looking back, you're going to become a financial wreck sooner than later. Now, everybody who just heard you say that American Airlines is $2 a share, there are folks out there who are saying, wow. I could buy a bunch of shares. It's bound to go up. Now, I'm having a little trouble meeting my mortgage payment right now. I'm two car payments behind, and I don't know what I'm going to do for my kid's college, but by golly, I want some of that stock. Yeah, well, go ahead and get it because the people who are trying to sell that stock would just love for some sucker to come in and give them $2 a share for it, for it right now. You do not fight the tape. What do I mean by that? When the market itself is going down, there aren't any bargains out there. You wait until a stock has turned around, starts to go back up. The momentum is up rather than down. And then you get in. I particularly would like to buy a stock that's high and buy higher and continue to buy as it goes up, not as it goes down. Because you have a stock like AOL, $55 a share a year, year and a half ago. All of a sudden, $40, $30, $20. Here we are at $10. Was it a bargain when it was at $25, 50% off that $55 high just a year or so ago? You betcha it was until it went to 10 So do not fight the tape. You wait until a stock has the momentum going in the right direction. Then you get on. 
and it will take you as high as it's meant to go. You try to bottom fish here, you're going to get some stock that's eating crap that's on the bottom (laughs) of the bowl here. And to follow the law, the law of invest in the known before the unknown, let's worry about the mortgage payment, getting caught up on the car payment, and start your retirement fund. Then worry about yeah. bottom feeding for a $2 stock. Yeah, that's law number four. And what's very important about law number four is it goes directly against what most financial advisors will tell you. <laughs> they will tell you, do not pay off your mortgage payment. It is the only tax write-off you have. Why buy a car, lease a car? It's a fabulous way to get a tax write-off. We are in very, very uncertain times, whether it's a geopolitical risk with a war on Iraq, whether or not we're scared to death and we should be of another attack here on our homeland, whether or not it's another announcement that some corporate scandal has come out, whether or not the economy is even worse off than we thought because we're not $200 billion in deficit, we're $400 billion in deficit after we go to war. It's not just that we have 8 million jobs lost at this point in time. Maybe it's worse. Who knows? We have so many unknowns out there. Why in the world, given the fact that most of us don't have much extra money to pay or have anyway, why invest your money in a stock market or in a situation like the stock market that is totally unknown as to what can happen? Even today, right before I came here, the market was doing just fine. Then there was an announcement that President Bush is going to speak tonight down 110 points in just a matter of seconds. Every time Colin Powell or somebody comes on, the market reacts. So what I'm saying to you is why invest in the unknown, the stock market, at this point in time when there's certain things we know that you have going on? We know that you have at least probably $8,000 of credit card debt, which is what the average American family has. We also know it's in an average interest rate of 17.49%. You want to guarantee yourself a 17% return on your money without any risk whatsoever, year in and year out for a few years? pay off your credit card debt. Oh, you have a car loan at 6 or 7%. Want to guarantee a 6 or 7% return to you? Pay off your car loan. Oh, now you've paid off your car loan, paid off your credit card debt. You have an emergency fund. Now you also own a home that you know you're going to stay in. Well, wouldn't it be nice for you to own that house outright sooner than later? Because when the day comes that you retire and you don't have the money to pay those mortgage payments, what are you going to do? And what are you going to do to pay those mortgage payments? Your 401ks are cut in half. Even if you had all your money in your 401k, (laughs) where are you going to invest it today at 1% or 2% to generate income for you? Um, corporations aren't paying for health insurance anymore. Insurance costs are going up. Medication is going up. Your gas bills are going up. Utility bills are going up. Let's look at reality here. So since you can't get your money to do more, let's ask your money to do less, pay less bills. When you get rid of your known expenses, your car payment, your credit card payment, your mortgage payment, then you're sitting pretty. Talk to me just briefly about how September 11th, added to the chapter, the, the, the law on here on doing what's right for you before you do what's right yeah. for your money. Very quickly after um, seven, uh, you know, 9-11 happened, I had been contacted by a woman who lost her husband. He, she was one of the firefighters' wives and was very afraid because many of the wives of the firefighters were getting all kinds of advice with all this money now that they had got many of them, a million dollars or more, and they didn't know what to do. So I came in and I spoke to all of them. It was just all of us, no press. Nobody even knew we were doing it at the time. And what was fascinating to me is about these women is that here they were having more money than they had ever had in their life. 
But they hated the fact that they had that money. It was blood money because they gave up the thing they loved the most for this money. Many of the financial advisors were saying to them, invest in this. Now's the time to get in the stock market. Do this. What is right for their money may have been that. Who knows? But was right for them was to do absolutely nothing because they hated that money because of where it came from. They were about to make mistakes with that money that sooner than later they would have blown that and had nothing because they wanted to get rid of it. There was even somebody who had $900,000 in crumpled checks in her purse and she was treating it like garbage, like she just wanted to throw it away and she opened up her purse and there were all these checks. I said, how much you got in there? She goes, well, last look, $900,000, but I don't want this money. I want my husband back. What is right for her? Well, it makes no difference what's right for her money. What's right for her is to get her heart together, to just stay safe, keep the money in a money market fund, don't worry about the markets. So, so many times we get advice what's good for our money before we get advice what's good for us, and then we make mistakes with our money. No, you know, it's just that you have the ability to take charge of your money. What happens to your money affects your life. Think twice before you trust some financial advisor who makes a living off of what you do with your money. This money is for you. Keep it safe and sound. Susie Orman is 72 now, and she currently hosts the Susie Orman Women and Money podcast. Now, you can get a copy of The Laws of Money, The Lessons of Life by Susie Orman by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. We may earn an Amazon commission if you make a purchase. Now, heardeverything.com is where you'll also hear my 2003 interview with someone else who knows something about the laws of money and the laws of success, real estate developer and Shark Tank panelist, Barbara Corcoran. A point of difference in the business world is always an advantage, even sometimes when it's a bad point of difference because it gets you noticed. The point of difference I had is I played fair. And my 1991 conversation with someone else who really knows about success. Tony Robbins. In our society, we're asleep. We've forgotten what we're capable of. We've forgotten what we can really achieve as people. We've bought into a vision of our life that is so far below who we really are. It's a joke. And as you know, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Maybe even some places you don't listen to podcasts. Let me know. And thanks so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, he had a decades-long career in show business, in the theater, in movies, and television, mainly because he didn't look like anything, according to one casting director. My 1991 conversation with veteran actor Hume Cronin. Psychiatrists would say I led a very rich fantasy life. And when you're alone, you do. You do a lot of dreaming, and the next thing to dreaming is pretending, and pretending is acting. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.